0: Hello everybody, my name is N'Kozy and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. This week we're going to be talking about one huge movie from Disney that's coming out as well as the finishing up and series review of a very high profile TV show. The first being The Little Mermaid where we're going to talk about this remake as well as Hailey Bailey and how good or not good she is as area. I don't know. And we're also going to talk about the series review for the show Citadel. And we're going to find out if a prediction I made a couple weeks ago was actually correct or not. So, let's get right into it. There's a phrase in Hollywood that is very prevalent where they talk about certain roles that certain actors are born to play. Obviously, that illusion is made because when you look at a role and you look at that actor, you would say, well, it's obvious that person could play that actor. It may not seem like it then, but when you look at Tony Stark and you look at Robert Downey Jr., obviously, we can look now and we can say, well, obviously, Robert Downey Jr. was made. He was born to play Iron Man. At the time, it wasn't seen that way, but that's definitely how we feel about it now. So when we look at the 2023 live action remake of The Little Mermaid, the question we need to ask ourselves is with Haley Bailey, who is not only a successful musician and singer, she's also... A successful actress, her and her sister Chloe were on the show Grown-ish for a couple of seasons. Do we say that these that this artist is born to play Ariel? Well, I have some bad news and I have some good news. so let's get the bad news out of the way. first no, Haley Bailey is not born to play Ariel. That's the bad news the good news is disney got lucky to got an actress who is so much bigger than ariel to play ariel because you know spoiler alert haley bailey makes this movie as ariel if she was not ariel this movie would quickly become a dumpster fire but let's let's get into the review of this movie so I could talk so much more about Hailey Bailey and this movie and where it works and where it doesn't work. So if you've seen the original Little Mermaid that was made by Disney in the 90s, then spoiler alert, you know exactly the plot for this movie. It deals with a young girl who is a mermaid who lives under the sea with her father she has a couple of attendants and she's a princess and she is curious about the world above the ocean she's curious about the people who walk on two feet she barely has any knowledge of them she gains knowledge from other animals who she can talk to and Her father had forbidden her from going above ground and finding out more about these people. So, eventually, she falls in love with the prince of a kingdom from the walking world, the people who have two legs. And she makes a deal with her aunt, Ursula. And that deal is she loses her voice. She goes on. She meets the prince, she falls in love, and it's all about, is she going to succeed or is she going to fail? All of that. So this movie is a beat-for-beat beat remake of the previous 1989 version, the animated movie. So let's, let's start off with the good because as I've already alluded to it Haley Bailey is the biggest thing in this movie the funny thing about The Little Mermaid is as a whole this is what you would call an artist vehicle if you had to imagine a movie where you wanted to launch an artist from being just a music star to being a movie star this would be the movie that you would do it. Simply because The Little Mermaid relies on not a lot of lines, because even in the animated movie, there aren't a lot of dialogue between Ariel and everyone else. Ariel talks the most, but there's not a lot of actual talking in this movie. So it really depends on the voice. And if you have an Ariel... That has an amazing voice, you're already three fourths of the way there. The Ariel that you cast doesn't need to be a great actress in order to be an effective Ariel. Now, as I alluded to earlier, they got Haley Bailey. And the thing about Haley Bailey is, Haley Bailey is already a pretty good actress. As I've alluded to, she was in Grown-ish for a couple of years. So she's already a pretty good actress. And we already know that she is a successful recording artist and that she has a great voice. So when she auditioned for this, I am sure that there was some Disney executive who dropped down to their knees and was just screaming to the heavens like in the Shawshank Redemption in like relief because they got somebody who has the voice, who has the acting chops where she is better than this role no joke she is better than this role this wasn't made for her this is probably a step down because she is that good in fact I would say that after watching this movie I think she's one of those successful musicians who can be just as good of an actress as they are a singer so in my mind, it would be like Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah is an amazing actress and she's also an incredible singer. We think about Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige, quietly, is a really, really good actress as well as an incredible musician. It's not an easy thing to hit because most times you're either a better actor than you were a musician or you are a better musician than you were an actress. On the better musician than actress thing, you'd have somebody like Whitney Houston. So good as a musician, she could never really measure up that same version as an actor. And when you have the people who are better actors than they are musicians, think about somebody like Mark Wahlberg. He is... Yeah, he's Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, but we all know him as Mark Wahlberg, the actor, for a very good reason. He did not have an incredible career. With Haley Bailey, I think she fits into that role of she is so good at both that it's going to be very hard to separate her from both of those, and that is something that very few people can actually do, especially at the high level that she's able to do it. Every time she opens her mouth and sings, everyone is enchanted. And to put it into perspective how good her singing is, I had the single worst experience watching this movie in a theater. I was sitting next to, you know, in the back row, had good seats, so I was fine. Problem is, people on my right were not only very loud that wasn't the problem the problem was they were trying to take photos of the movie with the flash on from their phone like right next to me so they would bring out their phone didn't have a problem with it then they try and take photos of it and forget oh the flash is on so the flash would come on just in the movie theater and this happened like four or five times and I was gonna say something but that person had a kid who was waving around balloon animals in front of all of our faces until the balloon animal popped and then they caused a huge scene and then the mother had to take her down and all that stuff so it was just incredible mess on one side and on the other side I had people constantly checking their phones just taking up flash all on so that way every time to my right I had flash photography and on my left I had phone screens just going into my face like it was the single worst experience I've ever had at a movie theater and I've had some doozies so for me to walk out at the end of the movie and to still say Every single time Hallie Bailey sung as Ariel, every single time she was on screen, you were enraptured by both her acting ability, Ariel does not have a lot of lines because remember for most, for a large part of it, she is mute, so she doesn't have a lot of lines, she was able to be incredibly expressive with her face and convey what she was thinking that way, and... When you're talking about her singing and her songs, obviously, she hits that big song, you know, part of that world. So she hits it, and it's amazing. It takes everyone in the theater aback because she's just that good. So that, if I had that terrible of an experience, and I could still walk out of there and say that she was so good that goes to show how amazing she is in this movie also I have to give a big shout out in regards to this movie to David Diggs he was the voice of Sebastian we all know him as the crab to King Triton you know King Triton's advisor I I just I just got one minor gripe with David Diggs we we didn't need the Caribbean accent and it just, it sounded fake. It sounded like a Caribbean accent that I would make. Obviously, David Diggs is a much better actor. So, that's one thing. But, I mean, David Diggs could have just talked like he normally talks. And it would have been just fine. Uh, yeah, it's, its I know it's a small gripe. But it is a gripe. So, that's one thing. And David Diggs did do a good job on his song, Under the Sea, and, you know, Kiss the Girl, that went pretty well. You had uh, Jacob Tremblay, he was the voice of Flounder, he was okay, He, he wasn't super standing out, he didn't, he did not take away from the movie, which I will give him credit for in that regard. Also, big shout out to Melissa McCarthy, Melissa McCarthy actually... Showed me something that I did not know. I did not know Melissa McCarthy could actually sing. And she pulls off that Poor Unfortunate souls, That song. She pulls that off. Pretty well. So I'm going to definitely give her props. And this is the problem that I have with Melissa McCarthy. Honestly. Melissa McCarthy is a much better actress. Than her movie catalog would convey. I have seen melissa mccarthy be really really good in movies we've all seen melissa mccarthy be really really good in movies the problem is whenever melissa mccarthy is generally paired with her husband who's directing her they make some terrible movies so please melissa mccarthy i beg of you make movies with different people because you have the acting chops to in my opinion be one of the top you know actresses in Hollywood but your your decision making in terms of the movies you choose is incredibly poor so show this Melissa McCarthy and not the Melissa McCarthy that people would know from things like identity theft show this Melissa McCarthy more because I miss this Melissa McCarthy that I saw in this you know in this movie so honestly you also had some small roles that was fine they weren't amazing you know Javier Bardem is in the movie he's King Triton he he's not asked to do a lot but he is Javier Bardem so obviously he can play any role that they ask him to he's pretty understated for the most part and he's bombastic when he needs to be bombastic It's not a huge role, but it's Javier Bardem. This guy is class, so he can play it. So the songs, for the most part, come across well. The acting is decent enough in this movie. I liked some of the decisions that they made in terms of the costume design. That all looked really solid. I liked some of the set pieces. Those were really good, you know. Some of the other casts that you saw in there were from plays that I saw, like uh, Jude Akoudi. Um So yeah, that's that's really the positives that I have for this movie. So let's let's talk about some of the negatives because this movie isn't perfect. One negative, honestly, is the Prince Eric, Jonah. Howard King and I feel bad when saying this it's not that he is a negative he is not a positive that's the problem when he is acting he's a serviceable actor he's pretty good he wasn't a detriment he definitely was playing against Halle Bailey so he was he was okay it wasn't terrible the funny thing is is that for most of the songs in this movie when people heard them the audience was very expressive so they were clapping a lot for the most part for every single song but there was one song in this movie that they did not clap for that they just ignored and moved on and it was silence and that was Prince Eric's song because he does get a song in this movie talking about he's going to find the person that saved his life because in this movie, just like in the animated movie, Ariel saves his life. And it fell flat. And it wasn't terrible. It was within his range. He's, I don't know if he is supposed to be this classically trained singer. I think this was one of those moments where You should have just had somebody else sing the song and him lip-sync to it. It would have been so much better for the movie as a whole. Because honestly, I think we need to get away from this whole, if you are in the movie as a person, you need to be singing the song. I'm perfectly okay with actors just pretending that, They have this amazing voice. They're an actor. He's not a prince. Who cares if the prince did not sing that song and if it was somebody else? That was my opinion. They should have brought in somebody to sing the song that was not him. And I think the movie would have been much better for it. But because he is the one that's singing the song, it just it falls flat. And I I feel bad for him because he did do a decent job. He wasn't a plus, but he wasn't a minus either, and I felt that if they would have just had somebody sing his song, he would have been a big plus in regard to this movie. Also, another thing about this movie is I don't know who Lin-Manuel Miranda has in a stranglehold. Obviously, he is the new Disney Golden Boy because you can tell that Lin-Manuel Miranda arranged some of these songs and that's not a bad thing the bad thing is who he gave another one of these songs to like Howard King was one thing that's fine a big big detriment to this movie is the person who plays the seagull in the movie who we all know as you know scuttle and that is aquafina oh she was it was rough when aquafina was on screen it was rough from beginning to end also aquafina gets a rap in this song it's oh it's painful it's it brings down just the feeling in that movie. It was annoying. And here's the thing, I don't have anything against Aquafina. I'm actually fine with Aquafina. Let her do her she's an actress, let her live her life. There are some things that if you are going to do it, just do it well. That's that's my problem if you are going to do something do it well and aquafina just she just doesn't do it well she she does it terribly the entire movie even when we're at our highest of heights whenever aquafina puts herself into it it is not good it is just wow just you don't you don't need to be the singer you don't need to try and harmonize. You could just deliver your lines and everybody would be fine. But that's not what we do. We make, try and make Aquafine into a singer or rapper. Stop trying to make Aquafine into a musician. She is not a musician. I mean this respectfully. It's not her strong suit. We all should know what we're good and what we're not good at. And that's something she is not good at. Just Just saying. So... That's that's a huge detriment to me or for me to the movie. Also, the CGI. Honestly, I feel bad for the VFX people who worked on this movie. Because it's one of three things. It's either they did not have enough time, which is what I truly believe. They did not have enough people. Or... This is a bad VFX group. And honestly, in my opinion, two out of three ain't bad. Because there are times when the VFX in this movie is really, really solid. Where it works really well. And you can tell when they're taking care with certain things. It looks great. It looks really, really good. But there are times when that VFX looks so rough that I'm wondering... Did they only have, like, the day before shooting to finish this? Because unless they switched studios, which they could have, there's several scenes in this movie where the special effects just looks off. It It's not... I thought my eyes were deceiving me. It's not. It just looks very, very bad. And the problem is... We see several scenes where the special effects looks really, really good. And then you get to the big climactic battle at the end, which I'm not... I don't care if I'm going to spoil Little Mermaid for you. You've all seen the Little Mermaid, the animated movie. This is a beat for beat remake. I'm not spoiling anything for you. When we get to the end, when you have Ursula turn into the huge monster... That monster looks absolutely terrible. It's bad. It's really, really bad. And like I said, I don't know if it is just the VFX team did not have enough time or if they did not have enough people. I refuse to believe that they are bad at their jobs because we see that for the most part in this movie... They're doing their job. They're doing it really well, actually. Sebastian, fully CGI, looks good. Flounder, fully CGI, he looks good. I wish he was more yellow. I understand why he isn't, because this is trying to be more live action and somewhat realistic. Even Aquafina's character as Scuttle. Scuttle looks fine. So the moments when it is terrible... It has to be because they just did not have enough people or enough time to throw at it. And honestly, that to me is a just Disney has a lot of money. They could have spent the extra time and the extra effort to go back and make this right. Either you spend the extra time or spend the extra money. Spend the extra money hire them some help and get it right the first time because you only get once at a first impression and oh the ending was just so bad in terms of a you know cgi standpoint that it annoyed me especially with how good it was so my final thoughts on this movie are this in terms of Halle Bailey's performance, in terms of David Diggs' performance, in terms of Melissa McCarthy's performance, if I was just grading the movie on those three, then this movie would get one of my top honors. It would get a Michelin star because of the performance those three are putting in. The problem is that with the inexcusable bad moments on the CGI with Aquafina and Jonah Howard King singing when they should not have been doing that, when it would have been perfectly fine if they would have either not given them the songs that they gave them or just had other artists come in and just say, they can't do the singing part, have somebody else do the singing part. With those fairly large issues that I have, as well as just some weird moments in the movie like I don't know where this movie is supposed to take place if it's in the Caribbean if it's Jamaica if it's Trinidad if it's you know I don't know where this movie is and honestly I don't want to know because this movie has so many other weird things but it has enough where I'm not I can only knock it down so much so in my opinion this movie is a fine dining experience for your kids it's going to be a Michelin star and if the only thing you're going there for is the songs and for Halle Bailey and for Daveed Diggs and Melissa McCarthy like I said this is a Michelin star for you but if you're going there for the whole movie this is the best Disney live action movie that they have come out with bar none nobody is even in the same realm of being as close that does not mean that this is an incredible movie because this movie could have been an incredible movie it just had too many stumbles to be an incredible movie however I'm going to judge it by being a live-action remake of a kids' animated classic. So in that regard, it is the best Disney live-action movie. And I highly recommend it to children or people who want to remember what it was like being a kid. If you want to do any of those things, I highly recommend this movie. If you want to just hear some amazing singing... I highly recommend this movie. If you want to see a great story, stay away from this movie. Because The Little Mermaid, why are you going to a Little Mermaid movie for the story? You don't go to see Little Mermaid for the story. The story in the animated movie wasn't great. So that's just shame on you. But I would love to hear your thoughts on the movie, on... Halle Bailey singing on her acting all that stuff please feel free to leave a comment because I'd love to hear your thoughts so next up is our topic which is the season review for the highly anticipated Russo Brothers movie well this isn't the Russo Brothers movie let me remember again this is a TV show, Citadel, or if you want to call it something else, you could call it Bastion, or Fortress, or Castle, or Keep, or Manor, or Stronghold. Let's, let's, let's get into it because I'm going to be snarky throughout this entire thing, just letting you know. With this TV show, I made a prediction about two weeks ago. And that prediction was pretty simple, I thought. And it was that the main character, Richard Madden's character, Mason Kane, would actually be the guy who betrayed Citadel. And while we were all worried about Priyanka Chopra Jonas, that she was not the person who betrayed the organization. I also made the prediction that Leslie Manville, the bad, the main big bad, that she would be his mom. Now, also during that prediction, I said, hey, I want to be proven wrong. I want to be told that even though I felt these things were being telegraphed way back from downtown... That I wasn't right. They were going to pull a twist on me. I mean, that's the whole point of a a spy show to begin with. It's to pull twists on people. That's also the reason why they start every episode with an inverted camera. They want to change your expectation of what's going to happen. It's giving you the illusion that not everything is as it seems. Not everything is the way you think it's going to be. So, now that we are here, the final episode for the first season has finished. Am I right? Am I wrong? Well, let's let's get into it. So, I am happy to say that the big strength of this show is still Richard Madden And Priyanka Chopra Jonas. When they are on screen together... They actually do have some pretty good chemistry. You do believe... I think with them... That... They are... Not only competent... You also believe... That they care about each other. You believe the... Love story... That comes from these two being together. So... In that way... I absolutely do have to commend Russo Brothers because they got two people who I think can carry this TV show. Also, I hope they keep Stanley Tucci for season two. I hope he doesn't end up dead very early in season two or even dead now because that is also a strength. And Leslie Manville, she became even more evil The longer and longer this season went on, which I do like, we also learned a little bit more about her character. We learned why she wanted Citadel destroyed. And honestly, the reason made a whole bunch of sense. It was, you know, people being hurt and things being taken away from them. So you take away something I love, I'm going to take away something you love. It made perfect sense. The problem, however, is that my prediction it was right. I mean I batted a thousand on it. I was even surprised. And they added a couple of other things that I didn't anticipate. They added that at the end of the series and like I said, this is a series review, so spoilers ahead if you haven't seen any of Citadel or the final two episodes you should definitely see it in this show we find out that Nadia Singh Priyanka Chopra Jonas's character that she had a child and that that child is Mason's and she left the agency because she did not want to raise her child as a spy or she wanted to raise her kid as just a regular person which is fine. And we did find out that Mason Kane did in fact betray the agency. He's the reason why Citadel fell in the first place. And also he regained all his memories. So it was one of those total recall situations where. He was the good guy because he didn't remember what he did. But he's very clearly the bad guy. So we now have to figure out what he will do how he's going to react the kind of person he is and everything like that this was absolutely a full-on ripoff of total recall in a way the way they handled memory but that's that's just me that's neither here nor there what i will say about this show is i just want to see citadel before it was destroyed every interesting thing that happens in this show is still the flashbacks it is when citadel was still an organization when it was still a spy organization when it was still standing the most important part of your show if it's going to be set in the future and the past if it's going to be set in two different time frames It needs to be interesting in both of those time frames because if it's not interesting in both the present and the past or the present and the future, guess what? You have a bad show on your hands. We saw this even with a CW show. We saw this with Arrow. The show, the seasons that it was best at was when the past the things that happened in the past were just as interesting as the things that happened in the present with lost when it was in two different timelines the stuff that happened in the past was just as interesting as the stuff that happened in the present that was when the show was great we see this even with a show called yellow jackets over on showtime that show is amazing because the stuff that happened in the past is just as interesting as the stuff that happens in the present. When your TV show fails in that regard, everything that takes place in the present is nowhere near as interesting as the stuff that takes place in the past. So, I just want to stay in the past when everybody had their memories, when Things feel like they matter. Meanwhile, when we're in the present, nothing feels like it matters. I don't care if any of them die. I don't care if Richard Madden dies in this show. I don't care if Priyanka Chopra Jonas dies in this show. I only care about Stanley Chuchi and Leslie Manville. These are the only two people I care about that I don't want die. Everyone else can die. And I won't even bat an eye. That shouldn't be the case. I should care about these characters. More as the season goes on. Not less. The problem is. I've seen these characters at their most interesting. And they're not interesting when they're in the present. They're only interesting when they're in the past. So I think the show already is going to get a second season. And also they've hinted that. There's going to be an entirely separate Citadel season taking place with a different Citadel spy or Citadel group. And I believe that's going to take place completely in the past, which is probably going to be much more interesting than this version of Citadel. So honestly, if going off this first season, if I had to give this a rating, I would give this... Uh, I give this a fast food because the action is good. Problem is, the action does not happen enough. This is what would happen if James Bond had more talking and less action. You don't want your James Bond movies to have more talking and less action. You want there to be a decent amount of action sprinkled in with your talking. This movie... But this TV show, it's the TV show, I'm not going to say movie, this TV show just has too much talking and not enough high profile action. So I, I really hope that the Russos are able to correct course for the second season. Obviously, they're going to have some time considering that currently there is a writer's strike. So, hopefully, they'll be able to, you know, just take some time off, do some thinking, and say, hey, we should introduce more action to Citadel, not less. And let's lean on our main stars more for the heavy lifting in terms of the dialogue, or just write better dialogue for everybody either one is fine. I I don't want to come across as just being, you know, so snappish and so dismissive of this show. It's just this show has every single reason to be successful and for it to fall flat, for it to fall right on its face like it does just feels inexcusable. This was An unforced error of a TV show when this had every single reason to be incredible and I I don't know maybe maybe we're finally seeing the problems with the Russo brothers maybe we are seeing that their great directing can work simply because they are working with pre-existing storylines with a good roadmap to drive everything through and once they get that roadmap they are amazing at it but now they're charting their own way and maybe they just need to think about more the overall vision of this franchise as a whole like the big idea seems great the details seem terrible and I have that problem as well where I get tripped up on the details because details are important. They're just as important as the main idea. So let's let's hope for season two that we get better details. Because I think if we do get better details, I think we can get a really solid TV show. But let me know, please, if you disagree. If you actually really do like... Citadel and what you like about Citadel, please leave a comment or leave an email. I would love to hear from you about why you like this show obviously better than myself. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me in several places. You can contact me on Twitter at Two Sides Coin. You can find us on Instagram at Two Sides of a Coin. That's T W O S I D E Z of a Coin, all one word. You can email us at Two Sides at gmail.com. And you can listen to the podcast on Podbean, on Spotify, and also on Apple Podcasts. So we hope to really hear from you guys. I love to hear and discuss anything you guys want to talk about, and we'll talk to you later.